Uh, or go, uh, go into our series that we've been over the last couple weeks, our Christmas at the Movies. Um, I hope you've been enjoying this. It's definitely a nice, fun change-up for me to be able to just look at things this way. And, and really, here's the truth. Everything in the world around us has the ability to point us back to God's goodness, even these ridiculous Christmas movies that we watch. Um, you know, if there's a good moral behind something, we know that morality comes from the author of morality. So it's not just a good story. It's not just something that, that somebody put out there. Um, I love, if you've ever been familiar with classical music, uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. Everybody ever hear of him before? He wrote every single song and signed it this way, Solo Gratia. Every song that he wrote, he said, to God be the glory. He said, there's no such thing as sacred and secular music. Music belongs to God. And if I write something, it belongs to God. And so this has been the heart of this, this series. How can we take a look at these fun little anecdotes and movies that we watch, the things that give us all the warm fuzzies? How can we use that to point us in a direction of living our lives the way that Jesus has called us to live and loving the world around us as he loves well, today, I would like to point you to yet another one of my favorite Christmas movies, because again, we're picking mine and not yours. It is Jim Carrey's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Come on, who has seen this movie? All right, anybody, who has not seen this movie? A couple of you, we still love you. God is good. Hopefully you've seen the original version of The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, the cartoon version, I think from 1967. Um, so, so here you get the, the general idea, right? We know who The Grinch is. We know what a Grinch is, all right? The movie defines a Grinch as anyone who does not have Christmas cheer, all right? And so that's who The Grinch is. And there are two characters in this movie that we really need to understand because they represent two very different ideas, one is the Grinch. He's mean, he's nasty, he's smelly, he's hairy, he just does all these terrible things, right? Then we have Cindy Lou Who, all right? Precious little blonde-haired girl who is idealistic and just has this idea. I bet that we could even get the Grinch to come to Christmas. And her dilemma stems from this. She's watching everybody in the world around her celebrate Christmas by buying a bunch of gifts and putting up a bunch of decorations and doing all of these traditional things. And she's like, what's the meaning of Christmas? And everybody's telling her, well, this is it. It's gifts, it's decorations, it's get-togethers, it's this. And she's like, it, it can't be, there's gotta be more. So she wants to include the Grinch and she wants to go on a fact-finding mission. She's like, I, I need to understand more about the Grinch if I'm gonna try to help him. And so she does a little fact-finding and here's something that she finds from the Grinch's past. If we can roll this, this clip. And if the truth be told, he, um, he liked Martha. Martha was my girlfriend. You don't have a chance with her. You're eight years old and you have a beard. <laughs> Christmas is my favorite time of year. I just love the colors. The red and the green. Merry Christmas, Martha May. Why do you have a bag on your head? Probably because he's embarrassed by that idiot or his gift. <laughs> Mr. Grinch. Please take the bag off. Yes, you take it off. Put the book down. And your foot 
Look at that hack job. <laughs> So the Grinch, obviously, the original version, we don't really get much of a background about him. We just know that he hates Christmas. And in fact, the narrator will tell us, now no one really knew why. But when we get into this film version, uh, the, the creators wanted to give us a different perspective of the Grinch. They wanted to kind of go into the background and give us the picture of why is this guy the way that he is? And we didn't watch this clip, but actually in the movie it shows that the Grinch came to his family on Christmas Eve, but they were also wildly partying that they didn't even know he showed up. He gets stuck in a tree and sits out there all night long crying and alone. And then as he gets a little bit older, he's got this group of of kids who are making fun of him, and he's really trying to get into the spirit, right? But this event happens that just really changes him. It really causes him to see Christmas differently, and it ends up with him climbing a mountain by himself, muttering, I hate Christmas. You know, it's hard for us to really love difficult people. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, sometimes we meet people and it's just like, they are flat out mean and rude and nasty. And for whatever reason, we call them Karen. I don't know where that came from. If your name is Karen, I'm sorry. I didn't come up with that. That's not my thing, okay? And I've heard the boy version is a Kyle. I don't know. There's other ones out there, but we just label them, right? We label them and then we stay away from them. Just just back up. Just don't get near them because they're mean, rude, and nasty. And they've got all these terrible things. They don't know how to treat people, talk to people, anything. Can I introduce you to an idea that comes to us in the very beginning here as we open in the scenes of this film? That everyone is fighting a battle you cannot see. Everyone. There's nobody in in this room, nobody watching us online, nobody that you're going to encounter in your community this week or in your workplace or in your family that they just have this pure, awesome, innocent, wind-snow-driven white background of a life. There are always things that people are dealing with. And the goal of this film is to get us to peel that back a little bit. Hey, don't just think of the Grinch as a mean and nasty guy. Get a perspective, This is a guy who's been hurt. This is a guy who has been really damaged by trauma. And can I go as far as to introduce another thought to you? And I don't know if this has ever occurred to you, but but think of this. No one has ever been born mean, nasty, rude, and hateful. They weren't born that way. Something happened. Something happened that changed them. It changed the way they saw themselves It changed the way they see the world around them. And it made them the way they are today. Now, that's not automatic, right? I know there are people in this room, you've got really 
some very difficult stories in the background of your life and your history, you haven't said, well, I have the right to be mean, rude, and nasty because I have this, this past. Thank God that you've, you know, you've, you've had that turnaround in your life. But the reality is that the people you encounter, there's a battle you cannot see. There's something going on inside of them that you cannot see. And, and so Paul speaks to this as a reality because the challenge for us and the, uh, one of the big ideas behind Christmas is love, right? God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son. We're celebrating that Jesus was born, but there's an aspect of love that we need to understand from a biblical perspective that we find in Romans chapter 12. Now I want to invite you, you can turn your Bibles there with me. We'll have it on the screens. We have the pew Bibles that you can read from. Romans chapter 12 is one of my favorite chapters, especially verses 1 and 2, where Paul tells them, I urge you, brothers, in sight of God's mercies, to present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, because this is your real and true spiritual act of worship. This is what real worship looks like, to die to self and to present yourself to God in that way and the rest of the world around you. Now we go down a few more verses and he begins to speak about love. And let's, let's look at this, what he's saying about love. Verses 9 and 10 was where we'll start. He says, don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, when I was a kid, this idea was presented to me as like this countermeasure of getting even with people in a Jesus way, right? Like if somebody's being rude or mean to you or they're being really terrible, this is the Jesus way to handle it, okay? You just be so nice to them that it irritates them to death. That's what you do. And I'm like, this is great. (laughs) Right? And we act like this is some great scheme that we have to get revenge. But let's take a look. Context here. He's saying, don't take revenge. Don't take revenge here. There is a a work to be done here. And it's talking about a, a holy shame that comes upon those. He's like, if you're treating them the way that God wants you to treat them, you've created an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to begin to challenge them to say, why are you acting the way that you're acting? But if you're coming at it from the mentality of, <laughs> this is gonna tick them off. <laughs> hey, I bought you dinner and a new gift and I just love you so much, Right? That's our lip service speaking, but it's not the real love. And this is exactly what he says. He goes, don't pretend. Don't pretend to love. Really love people. Really love them. Really love hurting people. Really love difficult people. This is is why it's so important for us because, and we're going to unpack this a little bit more, but scripturally speaking, this is what Jesus did for us. I don't know about you, but when Jesus made the decision to love me, I was not the most lovable person. And to this day, the people around us that God so loved the world, 
those people that he loves, sometimes they're not the most lovable people. Because it is a process. And people are hurting. People are broken. People have been through things. They've got real trauma. And listen, I, you know, there was probably a point in time in my life where I believed that we were capable of escaping trauma, that we could get past it and get through it. I got to tell you, I, trauma stays with you forever. It does. I, I wish, I'd love to tell you, it just goes away. You will learn how to live with it. You can learn how to manage it. It's not going to take you down every day, but it will be a part of you. And it can in, either inform something good in you, raise up and cause you to be better, or it can inform something bad in you and raise you up and cause you to become bitter. But trauma is a real thing. And, and so here's what happens in the movie then. Cindy Lou is like, well, I am just going to love the Grinch into the holiday spirit. And the great thing about our movies is all it takes is about a 10-minute scene to turn the grumpiest person in the world into a Santa Claus, right? And so we kind of go into it with the same expectation. All I've got to do is be nice to this one person this one time. I saw it in a movie, and everything changed. But I want to show you what happens in reality when you try to love difficult people. What do you want? Mr. Grinch, I came to invite you to be holiday cheermeister. Uh, holiday who be what? Cheermeister. Eh? Cheermeister. Celebrate with friends. <laughs> All right, I'll go. But I'll be fashionably late. No, yes, no, yes. No, yes. The gift of a Christmas shade. Before this whole scene in you know kind of erupts into this broken idea of him burning the tree down he's looking around and he sees you guys are celebrating all the wrong things about christmas you just think it's about the gifts and you know what he tells them he goes i actually live by the city dump you want to know where all of your gifts end up with me in your garbage that's where they end up 
And you can just keep celebrating this, like this is the greatest part of Christmas. This is the greatest thing. And, and really, we're looking at the Grinch, right? And he's the bad guy. He's not just burning down the tree. He's like, I just want to burn down this entire idea that the only thing that matters is the gifts and the decorations and the presents and all that stuff. Meanwhile, we watch him. And even in the midst of Cindy Lou trying to love him, trying to encourage him, it just takes one thing, one trigger, one moment, and all of a sudden, he's right back to the first pain. He's right back to where he started. And I'd love to tell you that the first time you reach out to love somebody, it'll change their life forever. It's probably not going to happen that way. It might not happen the fifth time or the tenth time. And there's a reason why. Because real love is messy. Real love is messy. It's not perfect. Listen, we got to get out of our fairy tale here. You're not going to turn your angry family member or coworker or old friend or neighbor or whatever. You're not going to turn them on a dime. You're not going to, you know what? I'll bake them Christmas cookies. And I saw this in a movie. That'll change everything. I'll even say, do you want to go get pictures with Santa together? It's not, it doesn't work that way because real love is messy. And Jesus spoke about this kind of love because there's an aspect of love that causes us to feel cheated. And here's what it is. We expect that when we give, we will receive. We expect that if I love somebody, they're going to love me back. If I give something to somebody, they're going to give back. If I'm nice to somebody, they're going to be nice back. It's called the law of reciprocity, okay? Give and receive, give and receive, give and, I, this is what I'm expecting. And if this person doesn't do that, I'm done. I'm done with them. I tried. They didn't give back to me. I'm not giving to them. Well, here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6. He starts with the golden rule. I'm sure a lot of you heard this, right? Do to others as you would like them to do to you. You ever recall a time when you weren't at your best? When you were being a Grinch? A Scrooge? And really, wouldn't it have been great if somebody would have come into your pain and just said, hey, I'm here with you. What's going on? Are you okay? Not... Why are you being this way? Why are you acting that way? Well, this is what Jesus says. He goes, you treat them the way you want to be treated. Then he goes on, he says this in verses 32 to 34. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend sin, the other sinners for a full return. He goes, what, what is the difference? He's like, you want to act like you're loving and good and kind and generous? But he goes, here's the truth. If you only do that to people who can give that back to you, that's not love. That's not generous. You know, when Jesus starts to talk about money, he's like, you've got to be willing to lend money to people who can't repay you. We're just like, whoa, Jesus, watch my wallet. Okay, I don't have an unlimited supply of money that I can be giving away. That's probably true. But you know what you do have an unlimited supply of? Love, kindness, goodness. And that's from this that he speaks and he goes, you know, basically he's telling them, okay, you're good to good people good for you 
Like everybody does that. You love lovable people. Okay. Good job. Everybody does that. This is not the kind of love that I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to a messy love that goes into the middle of somebody's situation and does exactly what Jesus did for us, that goes right into the middle of the problem, sits down next to them and says, I'm going to love you, not because you can give back to me, not because you're so lovable, but just because you're a child of God and you deserve love from somebody somewhere. You've probably got a past. You've probably got trauma. You've probably been hurt, and I don't understand it, but I'm not just going to write you off because Jesus didn't write me off. I want to give you the same love that Christ gave to me. And church, believe me when I tell you it's messy. You will love people who cannot love you back. I'm not saying refuse to love you back. They just can't. They are so broken and so hurt and so traumatized, they cannot give back to you what you are giving to them. And we've watched far too many movies to believe that the measure of love is this reciprocity idea that somebody's got to give back to me what I've given to them. Jesus says, no, give to those who can't give back to you. Give to them. That's how you really love. And it's messy and the the Grinch flips out and he burns down the trees and he steals all the gifts. He wants to take everything from them because they hurt him. I don't want them, you know, doesn't misery love company, right? If nobody's, if I'm not happy, I don't want anybody to be happy. If I'm feeling lonely and lost, I want everybody to feel lonely and lost. I don't want anybody to be happy. So he steals everything and he's standing on a mountaintop and he's excited to hear them come out and boo-hoo. He just can't wait for it. He's like, I just want to hear their cries. I want to hear their pain. I want them to identify with me and understand what it's like to be in pain. And instead, a scene erupts down in the the city where they come to this realization. Christmas is not about gifts and decorations and trees and traditions. It's about the love of family. It's about the love of family. And then they just begin to sing and rejoice and have a good time together. And this is what the Grinch hears in our final scene. Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a star. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Blind me with pepper spray? You heard him, officer. He admitted it. I'd go with the pepper spray. Yes, I heard him, all right. He said he was sorry. (laughs) Besides, looks like everything is all here and accounted for. Back to toys, 
and the food for the feast, and he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. So here's where we end, right? We're all happy and excited because even the Grinch found Christmas joy and Christmas spirit. But it took something. It cost something. A little girl had to believe a wild idea that even a hurting and broken person could be reached and saved if just somebody would step out of their comfort zone and go love them. Just go love them. Maybe it would change their lives. They've got a story. They've got a past. They've got real hurt. But I believe this. Real love changes lives. And I'm willing to go. I'm willing to maybe endure some hurt, some pain, some frustration. I'm willing to not be received the way that I expected to be. I'm willing to be misunderstood. All for this. So that this one hurting person could once again have family and joy in their lives. Church, everybody's got a battle that they're facing. The meanest, most terrible person you've ever met They've got a story. They weren't born that way. Something happened and it broke them. And here's the question, is anybody gonna love enough like Jesus to go to that lost person and have the attitude of Christ? And this is what Paul says to the Philippians. He goes, you must. And Philippians two verses five through eight, he says this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Please, we'll look at this. He's not saying like, I highly recommend. It would be a really good idea. No, listen to the phrase. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. He's saying, you must have the same attitude as Christ. He went into the messiest mess that ever existed, ours. He did it for people who could not repay him. Think of it. In all of the world's existence, what could we ever give back to God that is equal to the gift of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us? What could we do? He says, I'm going to love them in a way that they can never return to me, that they can never give back to me. And it's not just the cross. The cross was bad. Don't get me wrong. But for an adult lifetime, Jesus had to set aside heaven. I would leave heaven to go save them. I would leave what's comfortable, where I am worshiped and adored, 
and go into a world that would ridicule me, that would hate me, and that will kill me because I love that much. And this is the attitude that Paul's telling the Philippian church, this is the attitude you must have. You've got to be willing to go to broken people, willing to go to lost people, willing to go love people who can't love you back, willing to give to those who can't give back to you, to be good to those who don't have goodness in them, because this is what Jesus did for us. Hopefully by now, a lot of your Christmas shopping is done. The lights are on your house. Your tree is up. If it's a real tree, it might actually be almost dead. We could do all of those things well. Hear me, please hear me. We could do all of those things well and still miss Christmas if we don't go love the lost like Cindy Lou did. Because that's what Jesus came for. He didn't come for a nativity scene. He didn't come for a tree. He didn't come for gifts and presents. He he came for a cross. And he knew that before he got here. I'm, I'm going for a cross. But that is what real love looks like. And I want to encourage you. There are people in your lives who are hurting, who have a story. And I'd love to say that all it's going to take is one batch of cookies and a scripture verse and it'll turn their lives around but it's not going to work that way. You'll have to keep loving, keep showing mercy, keep being kind, even in the face of being misunderstood, maybe even hated, but that's the attitude of Christ. And that is the greatest gift we'll ever be able to give for Jesus, is to love those who can't love us back. Will you pray with me? God, we just thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son into this world, born as a baby, innocent and defenseless, setting aside the authority and the power and glory of heaven to come and to live in the human form and to be part of the human condition, to experience our brokenness and our pain, to eventually go to a cross just for us. And God, I pray that you would just begin to raise up the mind of Christ inside every single one of us, the attitude of Christ in us, God, that looks to the the hurtful people of the world and sees them with new eyes, sees their pain, sees their experiences, what they've been through, and is willing to go into that mess just like you did for us and to love them, God, because that's what Christmas is really about. It's loving the lost people of the world, the hurting people of the world, the way that you loved us. But Lord, we need your help because we can't do that on our own. We can't do that just from a love that resides inside of us. We need a love that only you can give and that you channel through us to the world. As we're in prayer, I just want to ask you, and maybe even as we're going through this, you have thought of a person in your mind, a person that I know who that hurtful, mean, rude person is. 
And that's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does that. He, he begins to speak what we might call conviction into your mind that this message is about that person and it's about you. It's not because the pastor knew exactly what you were going through and he wrote this message to get you. But the Holy Spirit's speaking that to you. And if that's you, I just want to ask you, will you slip up a hand and say, God's dealing with me about somebody right now. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, hands across the whole room here. Can you stand with me as we close in prayer? Because I want to pray over you. This thing that God has called us to is not easy. The gift of salvation is easy. We just say a prayer and we invite Jesus into our hearts and God, you know, salvation is easy. But living a godly life is challenging. Laying down our lives and dying to self to live like Christ is challenging. And that's what this is. I want to pray for you, especially those of you who raised your hand. Because the kind of love that you need for that situation is not a love that can come from you. It's a love that has to come from Jesus first. And you just become the conduit of that love. Because if the only love we have for a hurting world is what's inside of us, the world is in a bad place. But if we can begin to show the love of Jesus to the hurting, we might just end up with a few happy endings where lives are changed for the better. And so God, I just pray right now for every person in here who raised their hand, those who might be watching us online. God, you're doing a work in them. Holy Spirit, you're speaking to them already, even now with specific names and faces of who they need to love. And I pray, God, that you would just so overwhelm them with the attitude and the heart and mind of Christ that they cannot help but to jump headfirst into the broken situations of those around them and love as you loved. And God, not giving from themselves, because we don't have enough to give, but being so filled with your goodness, so full of your love, that we go into the world and share that love with those who need it. God, there are hurting people in the world around us who need a happy ending, who've been hurt, who carry around serious trauma. Send us to them. Send us to them, God, so that we can fulfill the great commission and give you glory. We love you, Lord, and we want to honor you in all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, take a step. Don't let the Holy Spirit conviction just go away. If you know that God's been tugging on you about something, take a step today. Some way, somehow. Could just be a card. Send them a Christmas card. Whatever it is. But just allow God to work through you and allow Him to love through you. But Lord, bless you. Love on each other. Our BGMC fundraiser is still going on out there. Please uh, be generous to the Lord and our missionaries. Lord, bless you as you go today.